0: This is an RNZ podcast.
1: That's the sound of a Hyundai slicing through a parking barrier with some sort of invisible cutting implement. It's the beginning of a minute-long ad which follows the SUV as it literally cuts down everything in its path, from school kids' ties to the entire side of a cliff. It's not new for cars to leave a trail of destruction in our ads. Here's Barry Crump perfectly bisecting Scotty's face with a mud splatter as he crushes his way through wildlife in a classic much-loved ad for the Toyota Hilux. And it's tough. Good times
0: gets a bit bumpy, eh? Ow! Well, that's on the river, mate. A bit of a shortcut because you're not married, eh?
1: These ads have only become more macho over the years, to the point that now utes are literally devouring other utes. The new
2: Ram 1500 pickup truck eats utes for breakfast.
1: This advertising strategy has been effective. Last year, eight of New Zealand's ten best-selling new vehicles were SUVs or light trucks, in a continuation of a multi-year trend. That's reflected in the motoring sections of our media, which run ads for SUVs alongside articles devoted to things like the five best utes you can buy or positive reviews of light trucks. One of those from NZME's Driven even promises that a Ram 2500XL light truck will make, quote, women swoon, small children scream in delight, and men cast jealous glares at you, end quote. As with property, motoring is a big earner for the media. And as with property, that coverage and its accompanying advertising come with some built-in moral conundrums about a directly correlated crisis. In property, that's the housing crisis. In motoring, it's climate change. A 2019 research paper titled Beasts, published in the New Zealand Medical Journal, found light utility vehicles are transport's biggest carbon emitters and that their fine particle emissions are a serious health hazard. Their popularity also slows our transition to more carbon-efficient vehicles, which the latest IPCC report identifies as an important step for countries wanting to get themselves off a path towards an unlivable world. All that's before mentioning they kill people at roughly twice the rate of smaller cars in crashes. These issues throw up some prickly questions for media organisations that have committed to treating climate change as the biggest story in the world, or in the words of staff putting it at the forefront of the national conversation. One of those is whether they should be accepting money from big polluters, given their editorial stance. For most media companies, the answer is yes, and sometimes that motoring industry money is even directly attached to journalism on the environment. For instance, the car maker behind the ad we played at the top of this segment, Hyundai, is the sponsor for Newsroom's new Sustainable Future section. It's hardly alone in using motoring money to fund worthy, important journalism. Even the hard nosed current affairs reporting of the much missed Campbell Live was introduced like this
0: Campbell Live, driven by Mazda.
1: Professor Alistair Woodward has written about the ads underpinning Aotearoa's increasing reliance on oversized youths. He's had first-hand experience of these types of jarring juxtapositions. When one of his articles raising concerns about aggressive ute advertising was published on Stuff, it was accompanied by a video announcing the website's top ute of 2020. I asked what he thinks of these kinds of juxtapositions, and his answer was, it's complicated. You've written a bit about uh, what you say is pretty toxic car advertising, particularly for utes. But do you think that these vehicles also present kind of a moral conundrum for the media? Should we be so reliant on funding from the car companies
0: that make them? I I think there is an issue. (laughs) I think that um, there is a moral jeopardy associated with, you know, receiving money. I mean, that's true generally. But it, it depends, you know, sort of on scale and bulk. And the advertising of cars is such a big part of the landscape, you know, there's a, a lot of money. Uh, I had a look and I think it's $370 million a year. Would that make sense? You know, a, a, of that order of magnitude is spent in New Zealand according to Nielsen on advertising cars.
1: It's a tricky one to get around, right? Because I'm at RNZ, you're at a university, we're not reliant on the cold hand of the market to earn our living, make a crust. And media organisations are. They have to stay afloat. They often have to accept advertising from sources they may not agree with.
0: Are you an absolutist on this? I think the most important thing of all is to say there's no black and white answer. (laughs) You know, I'm not an absolutist. I absolutely accept that... You know, the media requires funding and advertising is part of that. What I am saying is that let's be clear about what's at stake here. What are the interests at play? How might this influence and obstruct the role of the media? And what can we do about it? It's not straightforward. It's not black and white. It's difficult. Um, uh, But that just means we need to be open and honest about it. Um, And at the moment, you know, I don't see much of that openness and honesty.
1: Do you think it's partly that we're just not used to thinking about cars in these terms?
0: No, look, I think that's true. Um, With climate change, we're having to expand our sense of what constitutes harmful consumption. Alcohol, tobacco, gambling, I guess all of those we have a a clear understanding of how, in some circumstances, use of these products can can be harmful. Uh, Cars, maybe not. But as you say, we won't get on top of climate change unless we change our transport system in a radical way. And as part of that, we need to drive less. Uh, We need to use cars less. It's a hard one, though, right? Because
1: you can't use a cigarette to drop your kids off at school, you know? You can't use a a bottle of liquor to nick down to the shops to pick up some groceries, you know? There's some really good uses for these quite harmful tools that are entwined deeply with people's lives and everyday living.
0: Oh, it is. And I I didn't mean to imply that cars were like cigarettes. I I mean, it's hard to think of any benefits associated with a cigarette. Maybe it's (laughs) closer to alcohol or eating red meat you know um we're not talking about abolishing those things we're just talking about being mindful and probably doing less of it as
1: woodward says these kinds of compromises are to an extent unavoidable for commercial media trying to get by in a world where many of their advertisers contribute to climate change that's a point stuff's editor-in-chief patrick crudson made to jeremy rose on media watch in 2019 That's true. It's fair to say that companies that are large emitters advertise with us.
2: It's also fair to say that stuff is a commercial news operation and we fund ourselves through advertising. So I would choose to say that uh, it's better that we continue to exist and can publish not just on climate change but on all the other social good that we deliver through our journalism uh, rather than cutting ourselves out of business by cutting off all our advertising.
1: There's also an argument that funding quality journalism is a better use of car companies' resources than, say, using dark money to stop legislative action to strengthen environmental standards. But some media are starting to draw more definitive lines when it comes to how they treat transport's polluters. Last Sunday, business desk general manager and motoring writer Matt Martell published an article saying he would no longer be reviewing petrol-based cars. He said while he still loves those gas-guzzling talky cars, it's, quote, just not worth killing the planet for them. Martel talked to Media Watch about how come he made that choice and whether other media should follow. Kia ora, Matt, and welcome to Media Watch. Kia ora, thanks for having me. Just as background, how long have you been doing motoring reviews? About two and a half years,
2: so one of the things I found was that I just wanted an outlet for writing because I, I was a manager and a commercial guy.
1: Have you always in that time had some qualms about reviewing the industry given how much it pollutes and that kind of stuff? No, I don't think so, not initially. I I could see that it was coming into the industry at the
2: time of a great wave coming through of electric vehicles and and, and technology, sort of kicked off by Tesla, and you could see what was about to happen. Um, And I think one of the really interesting things is that the car manufacturers, almost all of them, are really excited by electric because it's, I think, easier to manufacture they can charge higher margins on them um, and they feel like they're doing some good. So there's not a lot of pushback from car makers on electric. But you've got to have three things for electric vehicles to work. One is you've got to have government policy, which we now have with the clean car rebate. Then you've got to have manufacturers making them, which we now have uh, at scale. And then you've got people wanting to buy them. So those three things were what the motoring industry were, were waiting for. And that's, that's what we're now seeing in New Zealand. Uh, uh, to me, that means I can't justify doing petrol cars anymore. I got to the point where you'd put your foot down on some of those cars and you just think, I don't know what this is doing for my grandchildren. You know, I I don't know what this is going to do for future generations. There's so many good electric alternatives, and you you get to the point where that guilt just builds up and up and up. And I think a lot of people feel that way.
1: Was that was there no kind of one trigger moment that you made this decision? It was just that building guilt of putting the foot down and feeling like you're kind of betraying your grandchildren in a way.
2: Uh, uh, no, there was no one trigger point. I actually decided to stop reviewing cars. Um, I thought, you know, I, I really enjoyed doing it. I, I, I like the challenge of trying to be funny and entertaining each week. But I got sick of the sort of the, the petrol nonsense of it all. And so just before I was you know, tell people that I wasn't going to do it anymore, I thought, well, what if I only do electric? And suddenly I was motivated again.
1: Hmm. Was that a financial risk
2: for Business Desk? Not at all, no. I mean, firstly, we're subscriber-funded largely. Our newsroom is powered by by subscribers. But also, um, if you think about the market we cover, and that luxury market, it's a much higher percentage of electric vehicles being sold. Um, So if, if anything, it's possibly advantageous to us. But I don't think we've had a motoring advert on Business Desk for the better part of a year.
1: Would this be a harder choice for other media? Like, how much motoring money is out there, and how vital is it to news organizations?
2: Well, I, I just I simply don't know the answer to that. Um, but I, I do know that if you look at the print publications, if you look at the digital ones, and there are, there are a huge number of New Zealand digital car publications, most of the mo- most of the car manufacturers now are advertising. Their most fuel-efficient vehicles, the electric vehicles, the ones that qualify for a clean car rebate. So the the industry is moving possibly ahead of the journalism.
1: Do you think that other media, given that, should be copying you and taking your editorial stance and saying, look, we're not going to do, we're not going to review particularly gas guzzlers anymore.
2: Again, I can't talk for other media. Do I think that we need to do everything we can to protect the planet? Yeah. I think if you look at what's reviewed, there is a lot of uh, electric and and hybrid vehicles reviewed. I'd be more keen to see the government crack down on the fringe benefit tax for double cab utes or for utes generally. We in the media have been through a rough 20 years. I've lived that. (laughs) And you you really, if if you start turning away advertising because you have uh, a qualm about what they're doing, you know, it just means fewer journalists. And... Fewer journalists is not good for the country, so we we need to take advertising within reason where we can get it. Is there a conflict between taking car ads if you have an environmental stance? I, I guess I would say there is, but everything's moving so quickly that in two years' time it won't be there. We're moving as a, as a country so quickly to electric. That's what the manufacturers want to promote anyway.
1: We've almost been trying to talk you out of your own stance for a while here or yeah, moderate man. it. <laughs> but, but you've decided to draw the line in quite a different place, right, personally? So personally, yeah. you've ruled out reviewing and promoting anything that's more polluting than a hybrid. So having said all these moderating factors for other media and they're understandable, but why have you taken that personal moral stance and your business has taken that personal stance? Because for us, it's the right thing to do. And I think
2: for our audience, it's the right thing to do. I've had uh, maybe 100 comments on social media. I've had two negative ones. I would have had 30 emails from people. I've only had one negative email. I think there's been a societal shift around thinking on electric vehicles. And it feels like the good thing to do right now. And like I said, you you just get that guilt that builds up over time. And if you put your foot down... You almost see the, the the gas coming out of the vehicle.
1: What's it been like for you taking this stance? Has there been a sense of relief? Yeah,
2: absolutely. I feel motivated again around writing about cars. For me, it was a, a moral choice that I could quite easily make. I'm not going to lose sleep over the fact that I'm not going to get to drive. I don't know the the Maserati MC20 supercar.
1: Would you recommend this choice to other media organisations and motoring writers? Yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely I would. I'd, I'd certainly have um, you know, a debate with anyone who wants to. I don't think you'd find many journalists who are not excited by the future of electric vehicles and hydrogen vehicles too.